in entrepreneurship, you have to have grit. You have to have like this just unabashed focus in what you do in order to accelerate your growth. And I think of that having that like just straight tenacity to do something for yourself, just it becomes a part of your being and it, it goes with you everywhere. Good morning, Miami students, friends, colleagues, professors, Andy and Terry Skippers, Dr. Crawford, and everybody else listening to the pod this week. Today we're talking to Summer Crenshaw. Summer is COO, CMO, co-founder at Tiller. It's an HR tech business in Cincinnati. Call that out right away because she hires Miami interns all the times. And in the pod, we go through some tips for students in her HR tech business. Nothing more important than personal relationships. It was true when I came out of school. She says it's true still today. The conversation spans different things. She's a data dork, and that's how she learns. She spends a lot of times learning things where she's deficient and pretty open, candid conversation about that. And, and sometimes even cold calling or using LinkedIn and some warm relationships and connectors to ask people advice to make her smarter. And in return, she's willing to do the same for the categories uh, and specialties that she's good at. We also talk about uh, how her life changed. You know, her husband 10 years ago was injured, combat, uh, war, I'd say veteran and hero as anybody uh, who's willing to serve for us certainly is. And it made her switch a, a career transition because at the time she had started her own, bought a franchise of an insurance agency. And this forced a little bit of her coming back to corporate America and what that transition was like of being a business owner to now working with many people and not not uh, having the final say uh, really at the end, end of the day. I lo- also like the, the discussion about skills versus job description and how she's trying to get brands when thinking about hiring. Don't just hire for an account executive or a director or manager, but hire specific to a skill you need. We, we spend a lot of time talking about subject matter experts, and that's exactly what she thinks about. And something pretty interesting for students when coming out and talking and even communicating and articulating in jobs of the skills they have uh, that may help them as brands are transitioning how they hire. Really hope you guys enjoy the conversation. I did. Uh, we picked the conversation up. Summer's talking about going back and what the drive is like to Oxford as she does it once a quarter to either teach, judge, uh, or share advice back to students. So the memories that now go go through my head driving up to Miami every quarter, um, I think, you know, I, I feel like just that nostalgia because I'm taking the exact same routes that I always took and, and I worked all, all the way through um, my college experiences four years. And so I made that track quite often back and forth uh, between between work and then uh, to the location. So it, it almost feels like a natural routine. Um, and I, I and I feel like my mindset just turns on in kind of academic orientation, which is kind of fun to, to slow down a bit um, and, and really concentrate on uh, helping others learn and not just being in the grind of being a practitioner as an entrepreneur. What, what were you doing during those four years if you were driving back and forth to Cincy? Yeah, so I uh, worked um, actually a couple of jobs and did full full credit hours, um, but I was uh, working within um, a marketing, uh, experiential marketing firm as, um, as well as working with Sony Music. I was one of the Sony Music reps 
Um, and then I also had a job at Tri-County Mall running um, a uh, American Eagle Outfitters retail location at Tri-County Mall. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you get that Sony Music rep in college? Yeah, so I actually started with um, a company called High Frequency Marketing, and my degrees in public relations, and I really wanted to go into entertainment. I thought I was going to be an entertainment lawyer at, at one point in time, and um, I started with that company that worked with all the major record labels, and I worked with them for almost four years, actually relocated up to New York City, um, ran a, a fairly large division for them. And one of my clients happened to be Sony. And um, I had actually taken kind of a, a break from Miami um, right before my senior year, moved to New York, was planning on finishing my degree actually in New York, ended up boomeranging back to Cincinnati, which often happens, um, but boomeranged back and uh, had kind of the, the fortitude to say, hey, uh, Sony, you know, I'm actually stepping out of this role. I know it sounds really crazy uh, to take a step backwards, but I would love to be your rep um, you know, kind of representing uh, the region around um, Cincinnati, Columbus, Indianapolis, and and of course Oxford. It's huh, interesting. And and when you and you mentioned public relations, when you went to Miami and you were eighteen, were you thinking communications? Because somewhere in here you said entertainment law, but at first yeah. was was the original thought PR and communications and media or. Yeah, actually, it always was. I, um, I, I initially went into Miami, uh, declared my major math media, uh, mass comm, and um, unfortunately, the, within the first um, quarter at the time, uh, or first semester at the time, they had reallocated how like the degree would be set up, and it actually would have automatically put me a year behind, like literally first semester of my freshman year. So I ended up pivoting over into... Uh, public relations, which actually I couldn't declare until the last semester of my senior year. I had to audit almost every class um, just because it was completely full. So I fought my way through it to uh, be able to graduate. And did you, when when you were doing that in any of those other jobs, American Eagle, you were on the, probably on the floor selling. And I see you've got some demand generation and certainly some sales and customer experience. Did, when you, when you left school, were you thinking still PR was going to be a place that you would spend your career? You know, I think where, where I thought, um, I would go long-term was going to be adding value within the marketing and branding perspective. And, being more of a storyteller, um, given that the internships that I had done, then working at high frequency and Sony, you know, actually where, where I was developing my skill set was actually within, um, awareness. And, you know, it was one of those things I, I actually had the luxury of touring with Nickelback on one of their tours and learned how to, to work, you know, um, you know, kind of awareness on that side, then, you know, did, did some work within what, you know, back then would have been viral marketing, you know, working with Total Request Live and MTV and things like that with some of the, the bands that I was working with. So it wasn't even um, as oriented to traditional PR. It was actually the, the precursor of what we consider viral marketing today. So I, I knew I wanted to be a part of the communication tactics that really could build and support a brand and really truly be a storyteller long term. Mm. And that you take that philosophy, has that kind of been a, a core trait of the jobs you've had since High Frequency? Absolutely. So I think where, where I derive passion, although my, my, my path was never linear, so to speak, I didn't follow 
um, kind of, you know, an XYZ path to one job to the next job. Um, I actually had a lot of diversions. Most of my diversions were because I was an entrepreneur at heart. At least I can look back in hindsight and say, oh, that's exactly why I didn't like that job. It's because, um, you know, it wasn't a fit. But I think where I always derive my most like happiest points in my career has always been finding that value that that company brings to the end user and being able to tell it from a kind of a storytelling model. So for me, you know, I had a divergent path where I owned an insurance agency at one point in time. I could care less about insurance, but what I did care about was being able to tell the story that, hey, if you were ever in a car accident, you have me, you know, I, I can support you. And, and that's the value it brings to an individual. So I think that that's where I always just naturally, um, you know, directed my attention and, and found my energy in order to kind of propel myself through my career. All right, we're going to stay on this insurance agency because it's fun. So, you, <laughs> so how, how did you go about either starting or buying an insurance agency? Yeah, so I had a franchise um, with uh, American Family Insurance. Uh, so I was, I was currently, I, I just, uh, recently decided to leave careerbuilder.com, which was one of the first precursors for, for really where my company is today and why I started it. Um, but I was at a point where I had worked for a very fast paced startup. Um, and I saw just, you know, a lot of, of great mentors kind of break away and start their own companies. And I said, you know, I would really like to do that. And so, you know, at the time it was in about 2006, 2007, um, I started to really look at kind of the landscape of, of how does a 20 something start their own business. And I said, okay, the safest, safest thing for me to do is probably find a franchise of some sort. And there was just a great opportunity, uh, when I, when I started looking at first finance or first, uh, American family, they actually kind of had started headhunting me for a role. Um, but then I, once I entertained it, I thought, you know, this would be a great opportunity for me to be a, you know, a small business owner and kind of give back to the community. Hmm. And how long were you a franchise owner? Um, just over a year. Um, the reason I ended up closing the, the location is number one, I wasn't super passionate about obviously the insurance side of it. I was really excited for my clientele and who I served. Um, but two, my husband was deployed to Iraq and he was injured. So that, um, obviously takes precedent in your mind. And, um, there were some obvious uh, challenges going on economically with, uh, what we were seeing in 2008, uh, with the crash. So that's where a lot of that made a lot of sense for me to take a step back and kind of close that down and kind of go back into corporate America. And was that transition hard to go back into corporate America from being, I understand the, the need, um, but just the entrepreneurial mind and then maybe, and running your own business and then going to work for somebody? You know, I, it, it was in some respects, but I think in some respects it was almost like a respite. It was almost mm. a release. To, to take, you know, where you were kind of the, the sole, you know, proprietor of your business, you're always, you know, it's 100% you and 100% of your effort. Um, I think what it was really nice was to go out and go back to a world where there was a support system mm -hmm. and that you weren't all things at all times. So I think that was interesting that it almost gave my brain a bit of a, a rest, so to speak, to think about, okay, how do I be creative and how do I do what I love to do for someone else? Um, and, and find joy in that. And I think where usually where I want to either pivot in my career or change is usually where I notice my energy stops or my energy level starts to decline. So I, I'm a firm believer that you always chase what gives you energy. And if it doesn't give you energy, it's probably not either the right line of work or the right environment or the right experience, but that's probably a good indicator that 
it's time for a change in your life. So that's where, that's where I've, I've looked and said, okay, well, you know, it is a, it's a big leap to go from a business owner into, you know, I, I went into a director of marketing role for a, for a company and it was a leap, but it was actually um, a great leap for me at the time. And what, is there a single thing you learned of be, as being an entrepreneur or a business owner that you've been able to take even back to corporate America or back in an, uh, in a, an environment with more people? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, obviously in entrepreneurship, you have to have grit. You have to have like this just unabashed focus in what you do in order to accelerate your growth. And I think of that having that like just straight tenacity to do something for yourself, just it becomes a part of your being and it, it goes with you everywhere. So, um, you know, probably to a fault, I'm, I'm very aggressive in, in what I do and, and, you know, kind of the, the path that I follow. So if it's, if it's for me myself and that's great, but if it's for someone else, it's about looking at metrics and how I'm adding value to the company. And if I'm not adding value, you know, evaluating that constantly. And, you know, if we get, you know, well, kicked in your teeth, so to speak, uh, figuratively, you know, what, what can you do, um, you know, to, to make a move that's going to strategically help, help the organization. So just man, grit and tenacity just kind of becomes a part of your soul as an entrepreneur and it never leaves you. To, to continue <clears throat> that grit and tenacity and focus, what do you do to learn? No, oh, I'm constantly learning. So, um, right now I'm actually finishing, uh, my master's in business and marketing, I've actually got an interdisciplinary uh, degree that'll be finished um, in December. So I'm always learning from an academic perspective. Um, I'm a data dork at heart. So I look at great data of trends that are coming on. Like I'm somebody that will literally look at Google trends and see what's going on in the world from that perspective. Um, I do listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, and really, uh, one of the other things that I, I love to do is lean into my community. So if there's an area that I feel I have a deficiency in, I absolutely will reach out to somebody on LinkedIn and say, Hey, it looks like you've been doing this for a, a while. I'd love to, um, understand one, two or three things. And I always lay it down out. Um, and this is what I'd love to, to, you know, kind of, uh, get from you. And I would love to be a support for you in return. So for me, it's, it's, it's actively seeking um, to further my education in any kind of subject matter, but also going to people that's already done it. I, I think that that's where, um, you know, the, the Miami alumni ecosystem is amazing. And, you know, here I am in Cincinnati, Ohio. We have one of the um, most engaged communities you could ever have to support your development as either an entrepreneur or just a professional in general. Jim Ryan, who was on the pod um, recently, talks about learning and focusing all of his time when he's not in his work state on learning things he doesn't know. So your comment about deficiency kind of rings true on finding others and and making you more well-rounded and adding culture to your life and leaning in so you get different perspectives. And certainly, as you talk about customer experience and understanding the other side, I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it it does... um take some humility to recognize that you have a deficiency or that you have an area that you might not clearly understand. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes I'm actually inspired to learn new things from my own co-founders, you know, like, especially around tech, being in the tech industry, things are always rapidly changing. So, you know, believe me, there are many days I'm in a meeting and I hear something, I'm like, I quite honestly do not know what they're talking about. <laughs> and I actually dive into it. I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to learn all like, you know, for an example, like three or four years ago, I had no idea what agile was. 
and the agile methodology and all of that. And then I, you know, I, I like dove into it. And then my marketing teams were running agile. We were doing sprints and, and running through that, but I had no idea until I dove into it. And I just look, I learned from a, you know, a, a counterpart of mine that was having great success in managing their team. I'm like, well, if you're doing that, why am I not doing that? Let's line this up. <laughs> and then how did you go about creating Tiller? Um, yourself with some friends, with some other business colleagues. What's that story? Yeah. So um, interesting. Uh, when I when I moved uh, back to Cincinnati, graduated from Miami. Um, you know, I was coming from the entertainment world, so I was like, okay, what's the next natural like kind of leap? And the next leap that I was able to find was CareerBuilder.com um, was getting ready to expand into to uh, our, the region, into Cincinnati. Um, really Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee, and um, they were opening an office locally, and um, I applied for the job at that time, and I met my now co-founder, Carissa McClusack, and so she and I actually uh, ran and operated that office in the Cincinnati region for um, almost two years, and it was that experience, first and foremost, that, that really led me into HR tech. And really watching the transformation of how people get a job um, was pretty amazing. I mean, we were literally telling people stop posting in classified ads in the newspaper. And, you know, now I'm like, we're 2018. We couldn't imagine like finding a job through a newspaper, right? Like that just seems so archaic. Um, But we watched that transition occur. And so after we left CareerBuilder, we both ended up leaving. We kind of separated parts. We we stayed great friends. I ended up opening my lovely uh, insurance agency, kind of closed that, worked for a fintech company, 2008-9. That did not work out because, you know, the global ecosystem did not want it to. Um, And then we started partnering again uh, on a consultancy and and launched a company called T-Media Together, which was really a boutique staffing um, branding firm, really looking at employment branding. And, uh, you know, again, we were, we were working more as a service oriented business, but we were working with a company called ACT and ACT is the testing company. We are all familiar with, you know, kind of taking the ACT, uh, in order to get into college and something that they were teaching us and what we were learning, you know, you know, going back to always learning is that, you know, they were researching K through career and what that looked like. What, what did the through line or throughput look like? And they kept going back to this, the thought process of skills and how, you know, we have this narrative in the United States that you have to go to college, get good grades and get a good job. And that's like the only way. And it become, it became pretty, you know, prevalent, you know, within our society, but what they were seeing in the research, the academic research was wait, wait a minute, the skills that you orientate yourself to, even when you're in kindergarten really are the most valuable kind of pieces of currency you have. And that's where Carissa and I kind of had a bit of an aha, like, wait a minute, we were at Career Builder. We saw what happened with, you know, the, the resume databases and job postings and how so many people were getting excluded out of the process, not finding jobs. And all of a sudden we went from people real, being really excited about that process from an employer and employee perspective to being very upset that they couldn't get a job because they couldn't get an interview on that process. So we're thinking, wait a minute, skills, that could be the new currency. And fast forward a couple of years later, um, we were lucky to meet an investor that had some ideas around um, a mobile application. And um, although it wasn't related to what we do today at Tiller, you know, we actually, it finally, everything clicked together for us. We we're like, wait a minute, we could create a mobile application that creates a mechanism to have blind hiring for 
for employers so we can eliminate bias and neutralize all of the data so we have an inclusionary process so that people are valued based on their skills to company job requirements. And so that all kind of came together um, in 2015. And um, the investors that gave us our $1 million seed round um, introduced us to our now CTO, Luc Bijan. And so it's been kind of the three of us uh, powering through over the last three years. That's great. So uh, obviously helping brands figure that out when you're back on campus and talking to students, knowing what you know from the employer side, what are those couple tips that you're telling the students they need to do to make sure that matches up correctly? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it is really interesting. You know, there's all kinds of ways that people have learned to game, like, you know, the, the lovely job board systems. You know, I've heard about putting, you know, uh, keywords into the margins uh, in white uh, font so that the keywords are there so it comes up to the top of the list and how they game all of that. And, you know, students are super creative. Um, but for me, what I, what I teach most of my interns that, and I, I have a ton of interns that have come through from Miami, um, to our, our university and then, um, other students is really, it's about personal relationships and that's, what's going to accelerate you faster. I mean, I, I think that, um, going back to basics and these are things that, you know, I was taught when I was very young is, is really looking at, you know, who do you know, who in your network could get you into an organization just for, um, discovery, doesn't have to be applying for a job. It could just be understanding that company better and using that opportunity for just, you know, small conversation to accelerate into what could be a potential job. And then on the back of that, simple things like sending a written card to the person that interviewed you makes the world of difference. So taking that one or two little extra steps to go beyond just a job posting or a resume database or you know, those, those traditional methodologies and, and really looking at connecting with a person one-on-one. Yeah. I always said when people ask, it's not just who you know, but who knows you. So putting yourself in a position where uh, you're considered a value add to somebody so that when the, the, when you walk in for that info interview or just have questions or even want to give them information, not necessarily the time they're looking to hire or know somebody that's looking to hire, but being that value add person so that when you, they are ready, you're one of those few that they're thinking about. Absolutely. So what, 100% agree. what is next for Tiller? Yeah. So, um, you know, Tiller, we started in, uh, our beta market with Cincinnati, um, and started expansion here in the region. And, uh, in May of this year, we actually expanded um, out to 12 additional markets. So we're actually now in 17 markets across the United States um, as a marketplace for jobs. So our mobile app um, are, are, is kind of the entryway for our, our community members, which are our workers, uh, to connect to companies that, that need individuals on demand. So, you know, first and foremost is growing and scaling that marketplace. Um, in addition, you know, one of the things that, you know, we we're super excited about is, is thinking differently about our talent pool. And when we're in this tight, tight labor market, employers have to think about their talent differently. And so when we look at skills as the currency, rather than a job title or a resume, all of a sudden you can start to unlock a much larger talent pool because you're looking at somebody, Hey, did they, do they know how to handle financial transactions? Great. You could probably be a customer service rep at a bank or a bank teller. There's a bunch of different ways that you can start to think about individuals. So when we think about that, we also want to apply that to larger corporations because we see that a lot of companies are having struggles with attrition, um, in, in, you know, traditional turnover and, you know, um, success 
succession planning, so on and so forth. So if we could take our technology based on kind of the skills methodology, you could start to reallocate your own talent internally. So instead of losing people, why don't you just reallocate them to a different type of role or to a different project so that you're retaining your great talent and they're, you know, we know that values have changed in, in the U S that people value, you know, being um, producers and, and creating value for their company. So what better way to do that than think about them a bit differently than the exact role that you kind of hired them for. And you, you forget what they did prior to, or even the results that they've delivered and only following one path. Lots of tips in there for students, Miami students, and definitely follow Summer and Tiller on social media and check out opportunities for internships. You can hear it in her voice and her passion. She's a connector. She's a helper. She helps people grow skills. I think that's really important and something that you should take advantage of if you can. Um, And if it's not a Tiller or Summer, look for other warm connections and personal relationships, as she says. Start to build and show and add value to people so they can see the skills that you have and you can bring to somebody at the time that they may be looking for uh, help with their with their organization thank you summer again for taking some time with us i do appreciate it hope everyone's having a great summer students will be heading back to school really soon i hope to see you guys all at skippers and have a great day